0: I want to continue um, in the series, uh, Know Your Enemy, today. Uh, For the last few weeks, we've been talking about this idea that there is an enemy out there uh, called the devil who is at war against us. And we're with the belief that the more we understand what he's up to and how he works, the better off we will be in fighting against him. And if you missed any messages in this series, this is the fourth one. I just want to encourage you to go back, either listen to the podcast, watch the video, um, not because I preached it, just because oh, I want to arm you in this war that we're in. I started off by, by talking about how uh, the devil's out to destroy us. Jesus said, the thief, uh, the enemy comes, the thief comes to kill, to steal, and destroy and if you don't understand that, then you're being lulled to sleep. And, and uh, then I, I, I talked about this whole idea uh, that this enemy, we need to be prepared. I talked about the best defense is what? A good offense. And so we need to be where we need to be in Christ, and we need to be, you know, kind of personally fit and trained and ready. Last week, I talked about um, uh, the idea that this enemy is a deceiver, and it was really interesting how many comments I got from people last week about how helpful last week's message was, particularly about how the enemy deceives us in our relationships and I shared a story last week about uh, just an epiphany that I had a few years ago as God helped me understand that some of the things that I was believing about my wife were as, actually whispers from the enemy of how he takes the natural occurrences of life and how we bump into each other and he Deceives us by twisting those. And if you didn't, again, if you've missed any of that, I just really want to encourage you to do it. Today, I, I want to talk about a different idea. I want to talk about, how, you know, to not when you're in a fight, you don't just take a punch, you counter punch. And I, today, I want to talk about how to hit the enemy back. Now, how many of you in your own walk of journey of faith have ever been so mad at the devil you think, I'd just like to punch him in the nose? Everybody, anybody ever been like that? I just, I just like to punch him. I know you people from Boston have been like that. Yeah, yeah. Boston people want to punch everybody. They don't care if they're the devil or not. That's you, are just from Boston. That's the kind of way we are, you yeah. But I, today I want, to, I want to talk about that idea and I want to help give you some tools of ways that you can counterpunch with that. Funny story, when I was in college, we had a, a guy on campus that I was in school with. His name was Cole, and uh, Cole was a big guy. Uh, he was really strong, muscular. I mean, he, he just, you can tell. I mean, his arms were like as big as my legs, just a, one of these really strong guys. He was a, a state championship wrestler and uh, just one of those guys that, uh, fortunately, he was a nice guy, so you didn't have to really worry about him picking on you, but he was just one of those guys that nobody wanted to mess with. Never forget one night, we we're, were up in a dorm room. And we're just having this conversation about, you know, different things. And one of the guys in the room was this little bitty guy from Haiti whose name was Gene. And in the course of the conversation, it came up that Gene knew martial arts and that he had studied jujitsu and all that. And we were kind of talking about that because nobody... You know in that room had ever talked about martial arts before, and he talked about how, in Haiti, he had grown up in a very rough area, and that everybody knew martial arts you had to learn it <clears throat> or you would die you know so he you know he just talked about you know that, that he had studied it and he, that he, and he said, "Are you good and he said yeah i'm 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 really good and Cole gets up and goes, "How good and we're like, "Oh man, it's going to be a throwdown right here you know and and it was so funny because I mean again. Cole's huge. I mean, he's, he's probably 220, solid muscle. And Gene, he may be 150 pounds soaking wet. I mean, just a real small kind of... guy. Uh, thin And Cole says, think you can take me? And, and Gene's like, oh, my brother, I don't want to hurt you, you know? And <laughs> and Cole's like, "Oh, you know, and he's 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 getting ready to catch. and we're like, "Oh, you can't you can't be serious." And and Cole said, "I'm coming to come at you, Gene." Gene goes, "No, no, my brother. I don't want to hurt you. I don't want to hurt you." And we're just dying laughing. And all of a sudden, Cole he comes rushing at Gene, and Gene, and what he did Gene just was watching him. He gets right here, and Gene just quickly takes a sidestep, takes him and throws him across the room. And I'm telling you, we're all like, "What?" And we're just going, we couldn't believe what we just saw. Now it was really on. You know, and Cole jumps up and he comes rushing back. And again, Gene just took him and went, threw him the other way. And he did like like three or four times until Cole finally went, that's enough. (laughs) You know, that's enough. And we were just all just in total disbelief that this little bitty kid from Haiti could take out this huge, strong state championship wrestler. But here was the lesson we all learned. It wasn't the size of the guy in the fight. It was how much you actually know about fighting. Does that make sense to you? Now, what I want to share with you is, I, I, I don't think that many of us in our journey of faith really know what to do with the enemy. And today, what I want to do is I want to give you some counter moves and some things that you can do so that when you're dealing with him, you'll be able to do the punch and then the counter punch. Are you ready? This is going to be a fun series. Here we go. Uh, I want you to take your sermon outline out. You can track along with me. We'll throw it up on the screen for you. I want you to look at the verse um, from James chapter 4, great words of wisdom for us. Read it out loud with me, please. So humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. What a great word of truth. Now, I'm going to give you four thoughts. As I was working on this, I thought, oh my gosh, there are so many things I could say. I want to give you just four, though, and I'll I'll give them to you quick, but these are really powerful tools that you can put a tool if you really want to have victory over the enemy. You ready? Here we go. Here's the first one. You'll think this is so, so simple, but it's so profound. Are you ready? Walk away from temptation quickly. Walk away from temptation quickly. One of the things that you would notice about Gene when you were in college, is that you would never know he was a fighter. You know why? Because he didn't pick fights. He only used his training to 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 counter what other people did. Now, why am I saying this to you? Because I never want you to come to a place in your own journey of faith where you become so arrogant about your own walk with God that you think you can take the enemy on -on one-on-one. In other words, never go looking for trouble. Amen? never go looking for trouble. And, and the problem is, I think that we often treat temptation way too lightly, especially the areas where we know we are specifically vulnerable. Great, great story. Um, young guy who uh, was heading out of the house one day and his dad said, where are you going? He said, hey, I'm heading out with some friends. Uh, I'll be back later. And his dad stopped him and he said, listen, no swimming in the canals. Uh, the canals are dangerous. I know your friends like to swim there. You, you can't go there. And the kid says, well, I won't go. And the dad said, Okay, no swimming in the canals, right? Right. So he leaves. End of the day, son comes back, and guess what? He's carrying a wet bathing suit. And he walks in, and his dad sees him, and his dad says, Where you been? And he said, We were swimming in the canals. And his dad said, Didn't we have this conversation? why did you do what you told me you wouldn't do? And the son says, I was overcome with temptation. And the dad says, well, how is it that you had your bathing suit with you? And the kid said, well, I took it in case I was overcome by temptation. (laughs) I laughed when I read that, and I thought, "But isn't that how we often are? Come on, it's just us this morning. Sometimes the things that we're being tempted by, we really want to do, but it's kind of like if we if we just kind of happen to go by it, or we happen to get close to it, or we happen to get near to it. Uh, you know, we're we're in the back of our mind. We're playing this thing that you know maybe this time I won't give in, but you know you will. Look at me. Don't mess with the devil. Resist the enemy, and he will do what." Flee from you, okay? Move away from from temptation. On your outline, look at the passage of Scripture from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Paul says, if you think you're standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And you know what? God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. Read it with me. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. Look at me. God will show you the exit door, but you know what? You got to walk through it. Amen? You got to walk through it. When I said this, go back to the statement I made walk away from temptation. How? Say that word again. Everybody say quickly. Quickly, you do it because they say, Why is that important? I put the statement there for you. The longer you stay, the stronger the pull. The longer you stay, the stronger the pull. You know how the enemy works. You're seeing something you know you shouldn't do or something place you shouldn't go or, or whatever it is. And, and as, you're, as you're staring at it, the longer you look at it, the longer you think about it, the enemy starts putting you, you know, nobody will ever know. It's okay. Everybody does. And you start hearing all these voices. And the longer you stay, the longer you're there, the harder it is to pull away. Does that make sense to you? Th- think about it this way. How many of you have ever um, gone shopping and you saw something you really wanted, but you knew you couldn't afford it? or you knew you didn't need it, or you knew you really shouldn't have it, but this salesman comes along, and he starts talking to you, and he starts telling you how you can afford it, and he starts telling you what, and, 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 you, and you have this conversation, and then he leaves, you buy it, and you get home, and 10 minutes after you're home, you're kicking yourself because you know you shouldn't have bought it. Come on, how many have ever done that? Yeah, why? You stayed too long. Amen? You stayed too long. You, you listened to his voice. You heard the reasoning, and you did what you knew you shouldn't have done. The longer you stay, the harder the now, The Greatest salesman I've ever heard of is this guy. I throw that picture up on the screen. This is an old guy back at the turn of the last century named George C. Parker. Talk about a great salesman what did he sell? Throw that picture up for me. He sold the Brooklyn Bridge. (laughs) Not just to one person. He sold it to many people. He convinced people in a conversation that he actually owned the Brooklyn Bridge and he would sell it to them so that they could charge people to cross their bridge the police said there were multiple occurrences where people were literally building booths at the edge of the Brooklyn Bridge. And the police had to come and say, what are you doing? And they said, we bought this bridge. And the police said, no, you didn't. You know, he, he had sold them this. He, he gave them documents of, 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 of ownership, all this kind of stuff. Throw that next picture up. He also sold, you might know what that is. That's Grant's tomb. He sold people Grant's tomb. He convinced people he was Ulysses' Grant's grandson and that he had the rights to the tomb. He sold people Grant's tomb so they could charge people to, to tour it. How about, throw that next one up on the screen. This is an old picture. I know you you. You Anybody recognize that? That's Madison Square Garden when they first built it. He sold Madison Square Garden to people. He convinced people he owned it and he could sell it to them. He'd give them a great deal and then they could rent it out and make all this money. And last but not least, he sold this. How many have ever been there? Guarantee you didn't put any money in his pocket. You know He didn't know it, but he he committed. Why? Because he was such a good salesman. He would convince people he really did. And the longer they listened, the more they believed. Now look at me and hear what I'm about to say to you. You listen to the enemy long enough, he'll make you believe things like you never imagined. Don't mess with it. Run away from temptation. How? Say it again. Quickly. Quickly. The second thought I want to give you is this one. When the enemy starts making promises to you or starts kind of feeding you this stuff, respond to the devil's promises with God's promises. Respond to the devil's promises with God's promises. Now, I, I touched on this in my first message on the best defense is a of good offense. And I talked about the importance of getting the Word of God into your life. Now look at me. Please hear my heart with this. Your Bible doesn't do you any good on your bookshelf or in your drawer. It doesn't do you any good to lay somewhere around your house. The Bible doesn't do you any good if it's on your phone. The Bible only does you good when you put it in your mind and in your heart. Now, here's what, here's what I want you to know. Especially if you know the areas that you're vulnerable, if you know how you struggle, think about what are the promises that God gives you that respond to these promises that the devil gives you and respond back to the devil with these promises he's making, with the promises that God made. God's promises are powerful. In fact, look at the scriptures on your outline. Psalm 1830. Read it out loud. All the Lord's promises prove true. He is a shield for all who look to him for protection. Look at Hebrews 4.12. Read it out loud. For the word of God is alive and powerful. Alive and what? Powerful. I want you to notice, if you go to Luke chapter 4, and you look at the encounter that Jesus had in Luke Luke chapter 4, where he was in the wilderness, and the devil was tempting him. I want you to notice that every, to everything that the devil said, you know, I'll give you this and I'll do that and you ought to do this because this will happen. The devil started making all these claims to Jesus and with everything that the devil said, what did Jesus do? He quoted scripture. He said, it is written, it is written, it is written with every promise the enemy made. You know what? Jesus responded with the promise of his own. That's why it's so important to me that you get these promises into your mind and heart, so that you can respond to these things that the enemy. Then, when he punches, you've got something you can counterpunch with. Um, I saw this last week, uh, and I just thought this was so good. Throw that up on the screen. It's a you say versus what God says, and you can put this because these are the things that the enemy tells you, and these are the things that God says to it. You say, I can't figure it out. God says, I will direct your steps. You say, I'm too tired. God says, I will give you rest. You say, it's impossible. God says, all things are possible. You say, nobody loves me. God says, I love you. You say, I can't forgive myself. God says, I forgive you. You say, it's not worth it. God says, it will be worth it. You say, I'm not smart enough. God says, I will give you wisdom. You say, I'm not able. God says, I am able. You say, I can't go on. God says, my grace is sufficient. You say, I can't do it. God says, you can do all things. You say, I can't manage. God says, I will supply all your needs. You say, I'm afraid. God says, I have not given you fear. You say, I feel all alone. And what does God say, church? I will never leave you. I want you to get these promises into your heart and mind. In fact, when I saw this, I thought I wanted to give you guys a copy of that I made copies of these. If you would like to take one home, put this up on your refrigerator, put this in your Bible. <coughs> keep it somewhere where you can refer back to this for yourself. They're out at the welcome center. You can feel free to grab one today. Uh, no extra charge for what you paid for admission this morning, okay? You give give that to you. I want you to have the promises of God. Whenever the enemy makes a promise, counterpunch with the promise of God. Let me give you a third one. How do we counterpunch the enemy? Find a partner who will fight with you. Find a partner who will fight with you. Have you ever noticed how a bully backs down the moment another person shows up beside you? Same thing with the enemy. There is power in numbers. Um, I had in the last uh, couple weeks, I had two different pastors who called me uh, both of whom were struggling. And um, they were dealing with some stuff with their church. They were dealing with some stuff in their own uh, personal relationships and life. And they were both struggling and they were both feeling horrible because they were struggling. And yet they called me, both of them individually called me and they said, Steve, I just I just need to talk to somebody for a moment. And And one of them started out the conversation by saying, I just need you to tell me today that I'm I'm not really a loser. And I just listened to their heart, and, and I could hear, I mean, you could hear the lies that the enemy had been feeding them, you know, that you're inadequate, you're, you're, you're insufficient, you're not able to do this job. What makes you think you could be a pastor, you know, when you act like this, talk like this, all this, and all of this stuff that was going on for them. And for both of them, I, I was able to, to hear their heart and, and give them some assurance, and both of them, I was able to pray. And, and together, we prayed and just kind of clung to God and walked them through this. And when I hung up, I thought, how incredibly smart is it that even as a pastor, you're wise enough to know you can't do this all by yourself. Look at me. I want you to hear my heart. Most pastors try to do this all by themselves, just like you. And that's the enemy's tool. Look at the statement that I put there on the outline. Let the devil isolate you and he will annihilate you. When you're struggling, when you're being tempted, when you're depressed, when you're afraid, who do you have in your life that you can either go to, sit down with, or pick up the phone and call and say, I just need someone who can pray with me? Look at me, gang. The enemy's telling you, that's weak. No, it's not. That's smart. I'll walk you back for just a second to the Garden of Gethsemane. When Jesus was, just before he was arrested and taken to the cross, and as Jesus was going in to pray, the Bible says he took three of his closest friends, Peter, James, and John, and he said to them, would you guys stay here and pray with my soul is overwhelmed to the point of death. Now, look at me. <coughs> if Jesus thought it was okay to have a couple of close prayer partners, I'm going to say that's probably a good practice for us. Amen. Look at what it says in James, James chapter 5. He says, Confess your sins to who? Each other. And pray for who? Each other so that you may be healed. Read Matthew 18, 20 out loud with me. For where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. The biggest trick that the enemy has for you is he wants to make you believe you're all alone. Now look at me, you gotta hear this. You're only alone if you wanna be. Because every single one of you have the ability to pick up the phone and call someone if not anyone else me as your pastor or or someone here at the office you don't have to do this all by yourself if the enemy can isolate you he'll annihilate you amen you bet let me give you one last one this is going to seem a bit funny but i I thought about this a long time here's what i want to say to you declare your victory declare your victory I started thinking about what happens to us when the enemy attacks. And, and often in his attacks, he, he starts making us cower a bit. He's, he's a bully, and he likes to intimidate. And so when we're feeling tempted, when we're feeling discouraged, uh, when, when we're feeling afraid, what's interesting is those are the times we take our eyes off of God. And, and we start looking at ourselves and realizing, I'm so weak, I can't do this. And we start, we start kind of heading for the corner. You know, you're right, devil, I can't, you know, you're, and he's telling you, you know, you're so weak, you're so lame, you know, no, what makes you think God even loves you at all? And, and, we, and we start going in the corner. And I thought, look at me, gang, don't you know who you are? You're a child of the king. And we, we, we need to remind the enemy of that. I love the fact what 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 uh, Hebrews says when he talks about it in, in chapter 12 and verse 2. Read it with me. He says, keep your eyes on Jesus, our leader and instructor. Instead of looking at ourselves, looking at our fear, looking at what, keep your eyes on Jesus. Why? Look at 1 John 4.4. 4. Read it out loud, church. The one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Read that again loud. The one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Don't ever forget that. And every once in a while when the enemy comes, we need to stand up and declare whose we are. And when you look a bully in the eye and tell him you're not afraid, guess what? Resist the enemy, and what will he do? He will flee. Let God breathe courage into your walk of faith. I, I read a story um, not long ago, and it just blew me away uh, because I'd never, I'd never heard this before. And some of you probably have, and I'm just way behind the time. But it, it just kind of really blew me away. It was about a a sheep herder in Colorado, but they had a a farm where they had sheep, and they had a fairly sizable flock, and they kept losing sheep to coyotes, and they were trying to figure out what to do to get the coyotes away, because nothing that they were doing seemed to work, until one day, they found something that would really, really work against coyotes. Anybody know what it was? Throw the picture up on the screen. (laughs) Llamas, are you kidding me? I'm reading this and I can't believe it. This guy, this woman who owned this, she said, we'd lost 30 to 40 sheep last year. She goes, and we bought a llama and put it in the flock. She said, we've lost one so far. You know why? Because llamas aren't afraid of Coyotes. They're not afraid of I mean, they look really cuddly and cute. I mean, you look like, oh, I just want to hug that thing. You know, kind of, kind of stuff. They're nice and stuff. But those dudes are mean. I mean, they'll, anybody ever been around llamas? I mean, these things, I mean, they, they, can, they, will, they, they make these horrible noises and all this. But here's the deal. When, when a coyote comes, you know, you know, sheep start huddling together. They get paralyzed. or they, you know what the, You know what the llama does? The llama raises its head, sees the coyote, and it goes straight at it. The coyote didn't know what to do. The llama's making this horrible noise. It's spitting at the coyote. And if the coyote gets close enough, I mean, it kicks it to death with these huge hooves that it has. This thing is not scared at all. I'm reading the story. I'm thinking, are you kidding me? Llamas are the new superhero. You know, I just can't believe that. And I'm reading this. And I thought, and I started laughing out loud. You can picture I'm sitting about this. I'm laughing out loud. And I said, God... I don't want to be a lamb of God. I want to be a llama of God. (laughs) You know? I want to be a llama of God. I want that enemy to come and instead of me going, oh, no, here he comes again, I want to look at him. I want to go, do you know who I am? Do you know who has me? Don't you know I'm a child of the king? I want to look him in the eye. I want to spit in his face, and I want to go hit him, Jesus. (laughs) You know? That's how I want to be. I put, this, I put this on your outline. When the devil tells you who you were, you tell him who you are. When the devil tells you that he's after you, remind him that Jesus already has you. Uh, when, or, yeah, when the devil shows you something good, tell him you've got something better. When the devil tells you he's after you, remind him that Jesus already has you. Read that last one out loud with me. The enemy can't lay a hand on you when God's got his arms around you. Pastor Steve, what, what should I do when the enemy is coming at me? You need to declare the victory. You, you need to tell him that you know he may be stronger than you, but you also know he is not stronger than the one who is in you. You need to remind him that the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, that spirit that lives in you, is greater than that spirit that lives in him. Declare the victory. Amen. But i to do a song this morning as we prepare for communion, and I want to invite you, if you would, just go ahead and take your, your cup out so you won't get distracted by it later, and peel that top cellophane back so the wafers there and you can take that out and if you want to peel the other part back too go ahead but I want you to go ahead and get that ready so we can receive that in a moment I want to say a couple things to you the first one is this if you're out there in life all alone if you're facing the world and facing the enemy all by yourself you don't have to Jesus Christ died for you. And I don't care who you are, what you've done, or where you've been. Today, God offers you a fresh start, a second chance, a brand new life. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he's a brand new creation. The old is gone. And behold, all things become new. And today, you could start a brand new journey. Uh, of not just wandering aimlessly, but but being a Christ follower and let him guide you through your life. And this morning, if 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 you've already taken that step, then this morning I want to encourage you to maybe take a big step forward in really claiming your own birthright. You're a child of the king, you're a prince, you're a princess. God has endowed you with his love and his spirit. And he wants you to walk in the fullness of that. He wants you to be cautious with the enemy, but he doesn't want you to be afraid. God says, I have not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and self-control. And this morning, I just want you to claim that for yourself. And if we were sharing communion, I, I thought of a song that Rachel's going to lead us in. It's an old song that says, you know what? This blood that Jesus shed for us, that blood, it'll never lose its power in our life. And this morning, we're going to sing this song together, and we're going to receive the elements, and we're just going to remind ourselves and remind that devil, you know what? We have a power that's never, ever going to go away. Well, Father, we believe that today. We thank you so much for loving us with all of your heart for sending your one and only son to die in our place and today Lord we remember that that reminds you of that reminds us of your love your word says it was for God so loved the world that you gave your one and only son that if anyone would believe in him they wouldn't have to perish but they could have everlasting life for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved father i pray today for anyone who maybe for the first time in their life is opening their heart to you and i pray god as you wash them of their past as you pour your spirit upon them father i pray that they would feel themselves being held in the grip of your grace that they would be reminded that it doesn't matter where they've been or what they've done your grace is greater than all of their sin And today, Father, as we hold these elements, we're reminded of the birthright that we have in you, that greater is the one who is in us than the one who is in the world. And Father, as we come to understand how the enemy attacks us and comes at us, we pray that we wouldn't just be people who kind of sit back and take it, but Lord, that we would hit the devil back with all of the tools that you make available to us. Father, we humble our hearts before you again today. We admit before you that we know that the enemy is stronger than us, but he is not stronger than you. And we know that with you living within us and your arms around us, that we can live the victorious life. Father, we thank you today that that blood has never lost its power. In your precious name we pray today.